When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I take my tagline from the beginning back. We didn't talk about something horrible this week. Hi, everyone. This is Carmen. I'm Christina. And this is Historias Unknown, where every week we talk about horrible things that we didn't know about with the focus in Latin America. That's a good description. They are usually horrible. Or Latin Americans in the United States. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a head cold again, so a head I cold. sound out of it. Yeah, like a cold, but it's in my eyes right now oh. only. Like my sinuses. Oh. Anyway, so I might sound, might sound out of it. But yes, today I am bringing the topic and I changed topics last minute. I don't even remember if you told me like what the topic was before. Well, good, because I told you a different one oh. than this one. Okay. But I'm going to be talking about Prudencia Ayala. Have you heard of her? Mm, no. All right. So in a time when women were not considered citizens, one woman defied everything and made history when she decided to run for presidency. Where? In El Salvador. Wow. Yes. So... Prudencia Ayala, she was the first woman to attempt to run for president in all of Latin America. She was truly ahead of her time. She was also... When? When was this? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get I into know, it. I know. I'm just impatient. She was also indigenous. Oh. And I will send you a... Did I, I didn't send you a picture of her. No. Let me just send you a quick picture of her so you know how this amazing woman looks like. Because at the time, this is all going on in the 1930s is the one where she's wearing white yes it's just that's a colorized version of the picture just so you see what she looks like yes so in a a time when uh, cheekbones right beautiful yeah so in a time when other women were the leading the suffragist movement in latin america were uh, highly white of a higher social class prudencia had to on top of being a woman she also had she was indigenous and she was from a lower income family but we'll get into that let me get into her um early story or early life story here so prudencia ayala was born on the 15th of april in 1885 in sonsacate and that's like the 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 town and then the department is sonsonate in salvador wait what was the town Sonsacate. Oh my God, they're so similar. What? <laughs> yes, Sonsacate, Sonsonate. Wow. El Salvador. And this is close to Guatemala. Okay. Um, closer to Guatemala. This was a highly indigenous area and Prudencia was always outspoken about her, her being indigenous. Her parents were Aurelia Ayala and Vicente Chief. I don't know if that's how you... I'm just saying it in English, but it's, how is I it mean, spelled? it's spelled Chief. Oh, like Chief? yeah yeah so i don't know how how you would say that in spanish the same i don't know interesting yeah Uh, not much is known about her early life or her life in general at age 10 the family moved to santa ana which i'm sure you know where or you know 
what Santa where Santana of? is. Yeah. Of yeah. Cause I didn't know I don't know I never heard Sonsacate. I did hear about I know where Sonsonate is like on a map, but not um Sonsacate. So I don't or Santa know. Where Ana. I, was like, I recognize that. I only know more recently because I've been looking at the map more. Oh. <laughs> Just because of this podcast and his spooky tales. Anyway. Yeah, the family moved to Santa Ana and she attended Maria Luisa de Cristofine Elementary School. But because she was from a low-income family, she would never finish school. Some sources say that at age 10, she stopped attending. Others say second grade. Either way, very early. I mean, this is a, this is a very common thing, you know. Yeah, I was going to say very uh, typical of the time um, and after that time. <laughs> Yeah, so in, in general, just very typical of uh, Latin America, I would say. I mean, our parents didn't finish school. So. Yeah. And although she never finished school, she continued learning on her own. Uh, Santa Ana was at the time a political hub and uh, really the center of the unionist movement. Do you know about the unionist movement? Mm, I can't say that I do. Okay, this was a movement that sought to join Central America. Um, and oh. it was also very leftist. Yeah. To make it like one country. And this is where the movement was growing. And this was a movement that she would end up joining at some point in her life. Um, she also learned to sew at a very young age. And she began work as a seamstress. Uh, at age 12, she claimed to hear voices that told her the future. And she became very well known for this. Wow. <laughs> um, her family respected this ability of hers, but um, she was a laughing stock for people in other social circles. A spooky tales crossover. Right? <laughs> <laughs> her predictions were printed in the Santa Ana paper under the name La Sibila Santaneca. Um, that's cool. Hey, that's the name of the restaurant, the pupeseria that I go to, La Santaneca. Really? What is La Santaneca? Okay. Do you know? Is that like no. a... Okay. I, I'm assuming it's just someone from Santa Ana. Oh, well, that makes that sense. That was my guess. Okay, yeah. let's move on. That place is good. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one I've been to too? Oh, yeah. we ordered from there. Yeah. Yes, it's so That's good. That's the Pupa City I used to go to when you yes. were still here. Yeah. On Delicious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so some of her predictions did come true. She correctly predicted the fall of Germany's Kaiser Wilhelm Wilhelm II in World War One. Mm, wow. <laughs> Wild. She also predicted the involvement of the United States in the war, like before way before it happened. Like I do think anyone could have predicted that. Yeah, that's true. But However, I could have any could have could she have I mean it would have it was a 50 50 guess for the fall of Germany's Kaiser. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, she said it was voices telling her this. So I I'm not gonna say yes or no um i wouldn't call her i certainly wouldn't call her crazy for it yeah um, which many people did many people refer to her as prudencia la loca and this name would mm. stick to her wow and she did stop public predictions i'm not sure if her prediction i think she, at some point her predictions stopped like the voices stopped and so she didn't have these disability anymore so she stopped doing that oh she became a mother at a young age. The exact date is lost to history. I could not find it anywhere. Everything just says she was a young single mother. And uh, to support herself and her child, she began to sell uh, published uh, writing pieces in the di in this uh, newspaper called The Diary of the West and other newspapers across El Salvador and Guatemala. She was like a talented writer. Wow. Yeah. 
And she wrote a lot about anti-imperialism, feminism, the role of the United States in Central America. I love it. Yeah. Um, she also wrote a lot about Central America u- reunification. She protested the United States invasion in Nicaragua. I love it. Love it. Here for it. Yeah. On top of writing about these things, she was also involved in these movements, like physically, like attending meetings, protesting. Uh, she was very socially active. Mm. She was. Mm. Is that the right? I mean, I get what you're saying. I'm picking yeah. up what you're putting down. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know if that's the right sentence like her activism politically was, active she was yes oh my god yeah i was like socially is not <laughs> she was like a I social said, butterfly <laughs> i mean she was i mean apparently. you have to be you have to be all that yeah. right <laughs> yes um yeah i meant she was politically active um <laughs> again i'm blaming being sick on i think because it's so late we don't normally record this late that's true yeah also true in her columns, she frequently criticized men in politics. I love it even more. Every every <laughs> sentence you're saying, I'm like, damn. Queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of these columns angered the mayor of Atiquisaya. And I don't know if this is in El Salvador or Guatemala. I didn't see. Okay, yeah. It's in the Aguachapan Department of El Salvador. A little, it's like to the west of Santa Ana, it appears on the map. Okay. Yeah, I'm just checking so people know. It angered the mayor of Atikisaya, and she was arrested for this column um, because this was, you know, this was all in the 1920s. So people just, uh, governments just did what they wanted, really. So after a short time in jail, she was arrested again. And this time she was accused of participating in a planned coup to overthrow dictator Manuel Estrada Cabrera in Guatemala. And this is just because she was writing things against him. She oh. wasn't actually involved in this coup, I think. <laughs> um, so she was in jail for a few years for this. Um, she was imprisoned. So I guess you could add a political prisoner to her accomplishments in life. <laughs> <laughs> so after being... Released from prison in Guatemala, she published a book called Aventuras de un Viaje en Guatemala. And it's like, I guess we should title the book Adventures in <laughs> an, Adventures from a Trip in Guatemala. Like, she was imprisoned in this country. <laughs> How long was she imprisoned for, did you say? A few years from when I read. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I'm surprised she titled it that, that also. Right? Because it sounds like it was vacation. And and it wasn't. You know, she was in prison. Um, She talks about her imprisonment in the country and her involvement in, like, the political scene. And it's also believed that after she was released from prison, she led a women's protest in San Salvador on the 25th of December in 1922. And this was met with violence by the state, of course. What year? 1922 oh my god i swear i heard you say 1992 and i'm like there's no way right no there's no (laughs) way that'd be wild no 1922 i might have accidentally said 1992 i don't i don't know at this point my brain's also fried yeah (laughs) it's been a long time 
So they were protesting in support for the opposing presidential candidate um, of the time. So during this time, just to set the scene a little bit, uh, the president was Jorge Melendez. And this would make the third president in a row from the Melendez-Quinonez family. Oh, my God. And they are part of Los Catorce, the 14 families, which we have discussed a little bit. One day I will do a detailed episode on them just because of the corruption behind all this. It's just, it's so, it's so much. But we talked about this in our coffee episode yeah. because they were also involved. The 14 families were involved very heavily. What was that, episode one? That was episode yeah. one. Yes. So they were pro- protesting this presidency and supporting the opposing candidate. And and what the government did was deploy the National Guard and par- paramilitary groups. And a bunch of women. Yes. Several women were killed oh, and many were my. injured. Mm-hmm. And then in between 1922 and 1929, she wrote another three books. One is called Immortal. The other one is called Amores de Loca. And again, that was her nickname. Um, Prudencia la Loca. Uh, so, um, and then she also wrote another one called Payaso Literario en Combate. So, Immortal. I don't know, My Crazy Love Life. I don't know if that's what Amores de Loca would translate into. I want to look up her books now. I think they're hard to find. They're so really? old. Yeah, I guess I couldn't sense. find them. Oh, of mm-hmm. course you looked. Yeah, there was not a lot of information. It was hard to find information. I just wanted to find her books. Yeah, no, they're gone. Lost to history, sadly. She also... Wait, uh-huh. Sorry, but how come we still have books from then from other people like Americans? Because it was the United States and not El Salvador. Fuck this shit. So many things have been lost. Of course. In yeah. El Salvador and Central America in general. So many. And it, and and you could say historical things and like things that belong to indigenous people. Yeah. And, and then things that just belong to our own family. Like we have zero pictures of Papi. Yeah. It's just uh, it's very depressing to think about. <laughs> mm, I, yeah. I've only there's only pictures of him here right like when he first yeah yeah everything else is gone yeah Mm -hmm. it's just the story of i don't know a too common story yeah (laughs) so she also started a newspaper called rendencion femenina and this focused on women's rights and she funded this and ran this on her own wow and then in 1930, she announced her decision to run for president uh, with the support of the Unionist Party. Uh, at this point in time, women couldn't even vote. So the fact that she was running was just like wild. Mm-hmm. That's why that article was titled, She Dared to Run. <laughs> so her platform included support of unions, workers' rights, women's rights, honesty, transparency of the public administration. Uh, the respect of the freedom of worship and the recognition of illegitimate kids. Um, I guess people were having a lot of illegitimate children that weren't being supported because they didn't have to recognize them legally. I mean, it makes sense that she would support that as a single mother. Yeah. Um, And she had the support of Alberto Masferrer. I don't know if I feel like you might have heard his name around Mm. poking around Salvadoran history. No. 
Uh, he is a I think Salvadoran, you probably know more uh, than Salvadoran about Salvadoran history than me. <laughs> That's true. But, and it's because I covered episode one and just came across all these names. Yeah. Too. Um, but he was a Salvadoran writer, essayist, journalist, philosopher, just like a renowned thinker of his time. And also a member of the Unionist Party. And he actually wrote the following about her. Prudencia Ayala defends a just and noble cause, which is the women's right to vote and to hold high positions. Her government program is not inferior in justification, practical sense and simplicity than other candidates that are taken seriously. So he's like essentially saying she's got a better platform than these other candidates. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> And his his books are actually you could still find those. They're just very expensive because they're rare. Oh, um, yeah. But he's a man. That's mm-hmm, another difference. Mm-hmm. So Prudencia Ayala argued that she had the right to run for presidency because the word ciudadano, citizen, in the Constitution was gender neutral and could also be applied to women. I mean, the yeah. Council- yeah, yeah. And and I'm going to get into like a little rant after this. The Council of Ministers formed by the government cabinet rejected her claim and they said, no, the ciudadano is gendered it's for men Hmm. um and this was a common argument among all suffragists all over latin america they would argue the same thing that ciudadano was gender neutral but in all these places they were shut down by judges and by supreme um by higher courts because Mm -hmm. they were like no this is for men and so this leads me to the very like (laughs) i know what you're gonna argue hot debate with latino and mm-hmm. Latine, Latinx, right? Mm-hmm. Because people are like, Latino is gender neutral. But if we go throughout history and we look at even this, just the word ciudadano, the reason women couldn't vote for so long, it was because ciudadano was not gender neutral. Mm-hmm. So if ciudadano wasn't gender, neut- wasn't gender neutral, why is Latino gender neutral? Exactly. Yeah, it's not, which is why we need actual gender neutral terms and all you little chicanos crying about it go die on a hill i don't care (laughs) yeah because i'm gonna die on this hill (laughs) (laughs) so um she ran her campaign for months while her case uh sat in legal limbo but eventually the supreme court rejected her application they they were the ones who said no it went all the way up to the Salvadorian Supreme Court and they said, no, Ciudadano is not gender neutral. You cannot run for presidency because you're a woman. Mm. So, bam, it was decided by the Supreme Court. So she dropped from the race, recognizing her defeat. But before leaving her campaign, she said the following and it's, I translated it. So by not being qualified as citizen, I am. No, sorry. I took uh, someone, tra- someone else translated oh. it and I copied and pasted it into my, <laughs> my I, notes I because it myself. <laughs> Because I am not that good of a translator. So (laughs) by not being qualified as citizen, I am left without nationality, appearing in the world of men as an inhabitant of planet Earth. I depart grateful of the politicians that have paid attention to the justice I demand from law. Joy seizes my hope in the next electoral future. Uh, So, I mean, like, you know, saying... Women are not considered mm-hmm. people, essentially, in a in the world by of the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the law. By the law. And I think I when I, I read her last sentence, uh, joy ceases my hope in the next... Joy ceases my hope in the next electoral future. I just saw that and I was like, oh my God, my, 
my heart sank a little bit because following this election, El Salvador would fall into dictatorship. Oh my. So, yeah, uh, El, El Salvador would enter an author- authoritarian era by the next election. And I mean, one could say that. And here we are again. We are here again, yes. And it's yeah. just sad. Uh, it makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Prudencia Ayala would never see a woman vote. The right to vote was granted in 1950. And she passed away on the 11th of July uh, in 1936. So not much of, not much is known about her life after she dropped from the presidential race. How old was she when she passed away? She was 51. Oh, okay. She was young. Yeah, she was young. And her, it just, everything says that she died from natural cause. So Mm. I don't know what was her cause of death. And she in, she passed away. uh, I think she was living in San Salvador when she passed away. What the only thing known or suspected about her in between this time period of her dropping from the election and her death is it's suspected that she was involved in the uprisings in 1932. The ones with the indigenous uh, farm workers. Mm, uh, she probably was. <laughs> she probably was. I, I don't yeah. see her not being involved. Right. Right. Um, so this isn't confirmed, but it is highly believed that she was involved in these uprisings. And again, that's covered in episode one, um, like the last half of episode one, where these uprisings led to the horrible um, occurrences that happened after La Matanza. Mm-hmm. Um, so FYI. But yeah, that's where we talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, apparently she was involved in that. So I'm just like, wow, I'm amazing. <laughs> Um, that she did so much in her young life. Like, she published three books. She was involved in all these political movements and this huge uprising. And she, I mean, she's not really well known unless you're looking for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked Papi, so our dad, like we said, he's from El Salvador. He never learned about her in school, he said. He didn't know who she was. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. Why would they talk about or teach about this indigenous woman who was a single mother, who was, you know, for all all these progressive movements yeah. um, and who ran for president at a time when women couldn't even vote? Yeah. Why, I mean, why would they mention that? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that we should, you know, learn about. Yeah, that's why that's why I came across her a long time ago, actually. I added her to the top of the list. But then I was like, I wanted to find something that just wasn't horribly depressing. Because, you know, I was going to say, I'm glad that we talked about something like um, <laughs> positive and, you know, not horrible. So yeah, I take why. my tagline from the beginning back. We didn't talk about something horrible yeah. this week, <laughs> but it was uh, still an historia unknown. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And though she never saw the fruits of her labor, she fought for workers' rights, for indigenous rights, for women's rights. She was erased from the history books. I mean, yeah, she was rarely talked, rarely mentioned. Um, She was, I believe, one of the most important feminists of her time. Yeah. I think I think she should be more well known. There are. So in in San Salvador, there are only two streets named after women, and one of them is named after her, Avenida Prudencia Ayala. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. And this is in the San Jacinto neighborhood of San Salvador. Oh. Yeah. And there's a little plaque. I'm going to read you what the little plaque says. Prudencia Ayala. Okay, so there's... Yes, there's a plaque commemorating the name change of the city, or sorry, of the street when it was changed in... uh, when was this? 2017. So not wow, recently. that long ago. Yeah. Uh, and so the plaque reads, Prudencia Ayala, Salvadoran of indigenous blood, precursor of the fight for women's human rights. Um, and well, that's what they wrote on Wikipedia. But actually, I'm just going to read to you in Spanish here because I just pulled up the picture of the plaque. So it says, Avenida Prudencia Ayala, Escritora y activista social salvadoreña que luchó por el reconocimiento de los derechos de la mujer en El Salvador. Mujer de origen indígena. Retó al sistema político de su tiempo al lanzarse como candidata a la presidencia de la república en 1930, convirtiéndose así en la primera mujer en El Salvador e Hispanoamérica en solicitar la inscripción de su candidatura cuando a las mujeres no se les reconocía el derecho de entrar en la política. Hoy exaltamos su nombre en, ese, en esta importante arteria. Well, that part doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> no, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, that is truly amazing, though. But I mean, it said everything we've talked about. Essentially saying exactly what I said this entire episode summed up into five sentences. Yeah. Writer, a social activist, a Salvadoran social activist that fought for, fought for the recognize, recognize, recognition? Recog- recognition? Fought to recognize, oh my God, recognition, yes. Fought for the recognition of women's rights in El Salvador, an indigenous woman that dared to... Um, Defy? Defy, oh my God, you're amazing. Defy the political system in a time when uh, women couldn't be involved in politics, couldn't vote, you know, that's mm-hmm. essentially what it's saying. But yeah, that is the story of Prudencia Ayala. And again, it was so hard to find anything outside. I used Wikipedia and then I used the sources in the Wikipedia article and I had to use the Wayback Machine to bring up those like three articles Mm -hmm. because they're just gone and they're all in Spanish too. So, (laughs) Um, you know what would be cool, Carmen, if we could do one day and I don't know how this would even happen, but like just a little like uh, children's book with like some of these stories. Oh, that would be so cute. Right? I don't know. Future goals to make happen <laughs> one day. <laughs> I we don't can even know put how, her. But... We can put um, the pilot you talked about, or you know the how I forgot how I already forgot his name, but um, how he always wanted to fly. The um, little boy that was yeah. fucking hanging from the yeah. <laughs> we can put him, and then we can put the dogs that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, or maybe a yeah. separate human and dog one, I guess. I think so. Yeah, if I think because we're gonna end up covering more women, so I think we can. Yeah, yeah. We should put uh, Rufina Maya in one. Oh, yeah. I covered her in a spooky tales, but I'm gonna post it on here one day. You know, um, I think that we should try to make it a goal at least. I don't know how often to try to find someone inspiring and positive like Prudencia Ayala. Yes, and I'm glad we talked about her today. <laughs> Me too. We needed something more uplifting definitely and even though she didn't win she i mean again she like defied everything the norm yeah anything anything to add before we go Mm, no i guess you know if you're enjoying our 
stories so far. Please uh, rate and review. Oh, sorry. I do have one more thing to add. I forgot about this, but I was just messaging. So someone, first, someone sent me, have you checked our Instagram? Mm. Yeah, I checked the messages today. Okay. But okay. Market is on so red, you so you can reply. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Did you see the picture though that someone sent in? It oh, was they no. said they've been Okay, so one person, um, one of our listeners sent in a message that said they said they were listening to the Vieques episode and then they sent me a picture Today? and they said that they've been staring at this it was like a couple of days ago. And oh. she had been st- staring at this picture of uh and it's a picture of the the protest of Vieques. It's like a little art piece, and she said she's been staring at it for twenty years and she was like uh, no way thankful to know more about this when we when she listened to our episode and i was just like that's amazing like i had i've i have not seen this picture in all my googling of vieques so oh i see i didn't click on yeah that. now click on the um photo yeah, it should be there it. yes oh. do you see it wow Grito. right Grito de Lares, yeah, that's what it says, Vieques Paz, 2002. Wow. Oh, and it's like the flag and like, that's cool. Yes, yeah. Oh, I just thought that was amazing. And one more thing from our messages I wanted to address. Fellow podcaster, we were on her podcast talking about our mom's immigration journey. She said that she was watching, she was listening to one of our sterilization episodes the first one and that uh, um she was watching Handmaid's Tale and in Handmaid's Tale in season one they or it might have been season two but somehow uh I mean if you haven't watched Handmaid's Tale basically like this Christian or Catholic I don't know what they are they're like religious extreme, religious right extremists, extremists take over the United States and like basically force women to birth babies a lot of people like to compare I'm not going to get into that rant. It's a different rant, I guess. <laughs> anyway, point is that in season two, they mention, has for some reason in the news, like Mexico is the only like fertile country. I remember left in the world. Um, and yes, you watched that? You watched no, that? No, I watched no? Um, Fundy Friday. She recapped one in her earlier videos. Oh, she I did re- watch that. Okay. Yeah. She recapped, <laughs> yes. I think, just season one and season two. Yes. And yes. she talked about that. And I didn't put two and two together because I know what you're going to say. Why did they make Mexico the only sterile country? It's interesting. Interesting to think it's, about. And I wonder if that yeah. came from the book or that was like a thing that the show added. I don't remember that in the book. I read, oh, you read it a couple times. Yeah, I've read it. It could be, though. It could be because uh, Is there more I think than she's one racist. Book? No. <laughs> no, I feel like I heard of that. What's her name again? Mar- Margaret... I want to say Atwood, but that might be something I'm Atwood, making up. I think you're right. Oh. Yes, Margaret Atwood. Okay. I don't want to assume she's racist, but I feel like I heard that she is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the both hand versions. I don't know. We'll have to explore that a little bit later because my child is crying. Yeah, more. yeah no, I, I hear um, Yeah. I think, though, I think it's a very, like, white feminism type thing where it excludes, it it doesn't have intersectionality. But it is, it is something to think about that Mexico was the only fertile country when you um, have listened. Something based probably on an ingrained stereotype, you know? Yeah, it's suspicious. 
so yeah i just wanted to mention those two things and, and thanks for you know reaching out via messages uh, it's always exciting to know there's people out there listening which i know there is but it's different when someone just messages you about your show you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay now you can close it out <laughs> yeah like i said before if you're enjoying this show so far uh, feel free to message us and tell us about it but also rate and review us um, recommend us to your friends family whatnot people um, and yeah thank you for listening and bye bye bye